KPBS On Demand is supported by MaraCal Design and Remodeling, helping homeowners with their home remodeling needs. From ADUs to custom kitchen remodels and room additions, MaraCal Design and Remodeling designs and builds your dream home. Learn more at trustyourhometous.com. Welcome back to the KPBS Cinema Junkie podcast. I'm Beth Accomando. Today I'll be reviewing Guillermo del Toro's Crimson Peak, followed by a roundup of some alternative venues screening interesting fare. I fell in love with Guillermo del Toro and his films as soon as the first glorious images of his Mexican film Cronus unspooled in San Diego in 1994. Having been raised Catholic, I was also immediately attracted to his reimagining of the vampire film as a perverse Christ story of resurrection and redemption. Years after seeing Cronus, I had the honor and thrill of interviewing Del Toro, and he told me a story that further endeared him to me. Do not attempt to adjust the picture. We are controlling transmission. He explained that when he was four years old, he had a life-altering experience. After watching an episode of The Outer Limits, Del Toro's brother dressed up like the bug-eyed monster from the TV show to scare his younger sibling. Then the adult Del Toro recalled, I woke up and had an urgent need to pee. I looked around and saw monsters everywhere. There was this fluffy carpet, and I thought every single strand of the carpet was a finger, and in the closet I saw a big monster. I was so scared that I resigned myself to pee in the bed. That happened almost every night for a couple of weeks, and my mother said, if you pee in the bed again, I'm going to really give you a good one. That night I woke up and wanted to go to the bathroom, so I spoke to the monsters in the room, and I said that if you let me pee, I'll be your friend forever. They allowed me, and here I am peeing happily and making monster movies. That story explains a lot about Del Toro and his movies. One of the things I love about his films is his ability to make the monster sympathetic, be it a Christ-like vampire, a predatory insect that's only trying to survive, a sad little ghost haunting an orphanage, or a red demon with a thing for baby Ruths and kittens. Del Toro's films surprised us because he turned expectations on their ear and made us see the world in new ways. For years, Del Toro's been able to balance making Hollywood movies with making personal films. But with Pacific Rim and the cable series The Strain, Del Toro revealed a shift. His sympathies no longer seemed to be with the monsters. In Pacific Rim, he sided with the robots and humans and reduced the kaiju to mere clones. The film was still fun and displayed a superb use of 3D, but it seemed unlike Del Toro to not treat the monsters with more compassion. Then with The Strain, he also wrote the book that inspired the series, he again seemed to favor the humans over the infected creatures. Now Del Toro returns to the ghost genre with Crimson Peak, a gothic romance. Ghosts are real. That much I know. I've seen them all my life. That's how Del Toro opens the film. He gives us Edith, bloodied and in the snow, making this revelation. Then he jumps back in time to show us Edith as a young woman of spirit and imagination, but feeling unchallenged by what society is offering her at the turn of the previous century. She wants to be a writer, but she's annoyed that people call her story a ghost story, and she insists the ghosts are a mere metaphor for the past. She's also bothered by the fact that because she's a woman, they expect her to write a love story. Edith experiences a family tragedy and ends up marrying Thomas Sharp, a man with a certain Heathcliff-on-the-Moor's dark appeal. He takes her from her home in America to his forbidding mansion in England that he shares with his sister. All that lives in this house are shadows and creaks and groans. 
So you better soothe that boundless imagination of yours. I just need a proper welcome, that's all. From now on, I want this house to contain nothing but friendship and love and warmth. Warmth would be an excellent start. Thomas, your bride is frozen. Of course. Forgive me. Let's go upstairs, start a fire at once. I'll run you a hot bath. The pipes will run red at first because of the clay. Soon the water will clear. Oh, Lucille, when it's convenient, would you mind getting me a copy of the house keys, please? You don't need one. I'm sorry. There are parts of the house that are unsafe. It will take you a few days to familiarize yourself. Then, should you still feel you need them, I'll have copies made. I went into Crimson Peak with high expectations since the devil's backbone, Del Toro's first ghost outing, had so brilliantly used supernatural tropes to deliver a highly original story about the things that can cripple childhood. I have to confess that it's difficult going to see a film from a filmmaker I adore. I have to temper my expectations so as to not set the bar ridiculously high. And I sometimes have a hard time coming to terms with my disappointment. In the case of Del Toro, I love his films and I respect him as a filmmaker. And while it hurts to find fault in his work, I also feel that I don't want to let him get away with less when I know he can do more. He's like that honor student whose teacher holds him up to a higher standard than the rest of the class. I say all this because I want to be upfront about the fact that film reviewing is not a science, and it's not the least bit objective. Film critics, like anyone else seeing a film, have highly subjective responses based on their own personal tastes and experiences. So when I left Crimson Peak after the preview screening, I was wrestling with mixed emotions. As with all of Del Toro's films, it was ravishingly beautiful. In this instance, cinematographer Dan Luston, production designer Thomas Sanders, art director Brant Gordon, and costumer Kate Hawley all collaborated to make Crimson Peak pop off the screen in a way that's more stunning than any 3D technology has ever been able to do. The film's rooted in gothic horror, but bursts forth off the screen with the bold colors of an Italian giallo. The images are sometimes so striking that you become hypnotized. But here's my problem. The story quickly grew predictable and bland, and the design of the ghosts and the role they played in the story left me feeling disappointed. Perhaps Del Toro, like Edith, is delivering a ghost story that's not about the ghosts. Perhaps they're only a metaphor. Del Toro did this successfully with The Devil's Backbone. But with Crimson Peak, the ghosts just have no personality. They're not scary, they're not tragic, and they play little part in how the story unfolds. Plus, Del Toro has always been so good at using practical effects to create his monsters. But with Crimson Peak, the ghosts just seem black and shadowy, with a lot of CGI smoke billowing about them. It's nothing like the sad little boy ghost in The Devil's Backbone who leaves wet footprints on the cold floor and who seems to be in water with blood flowing up from his body and forming a halo over his head. That was not only hauntingly beautiful, but it defined his character within the context of the film. Crimson Peak is very much set within certain genre conventions, and Del Toro delivers a film that effectively looks the part. But while The Devil's Backbone gave us a supernatural horror film with a soul, Crimson Peak feels as cold and soulless as its wintry setting. And that's an unusual and unwelcome thing in the Del Toro universe. If you're a fan of Del Toro like I am, I'd still see the film on a big screen. But it is a bit disappointing if you're familiar with his earlier work. I also want to highlight a German indie film that turns a gimmick to its full advantage. Victoria is a single-take film that plays out in real time as it follows the title character on a wild night of thrills and tragedy. I speak German. Is it, is it uh, it's good inside? Yeah, it's good. Yeah? 
Yeah. Really? Yeah. Good podcast stuff, yes. right? Single-take films, like found-footage films but to a lesser degree, employ a gimmick to try and add immediacy to the storytelling. But often they rely on tricks to cover the edits to make that seamlessness play out more easily. But Sebastian Schipper's Victoria is truly a one-take film. It relies on a handful of actors to improvise off a story outline for over two hours as they traverse the city of Berlin, moving from clubbing to stealing cars to robbery. What's your name? Victoria. Victoria? Yeah. I'm bl Blinka. Blinka. Blink, blink, Blinka. Blink, blink, you know? okay. My blink, blink is at home. <laughs> Shipper apparently did three takes on three consecutive nights, with the last take being the movie we see. The film is about youth, energy, and impulsive action, and is perfectly matched to the shooting style. Most of the film plays out in English, the second language for the main characters. Victoria is Spanish, and the men are German. The performances are all impressive, and the film completely pulls you into their world as the intensity of emotions rise. Victoria opens Friday at Landmark's Ken Cinema. I also want to remind you that the San Diego Italian Film Festival began this week and runs through October 24th, with a diverse selection of films culminating with a gala featuring film and food on the festival's closing night. Silent screams at the Whaley House continue next Wednesday with the creepy classic Nosferatu. If you haven't seen this vampire tale yet, you simply have to. Also in the Halloween spirit is the Throwback Thursday Horror Showcase kicking off on October 22nd at the Digital Gym Cinema. It's going to be the classic Boris Karloff, Bela Lugosi star, The Black Cat. You must be indulgent of Dr. Verdigast's weakness. He is the unfortunate victim of one of the commoner phobias, but in an extreme form. He has an intense and all-consuming horror. Cinema Under the Stars will screen Alfred Hitchcock's mesmerizing Vertigo this weekend and then screen the irresistible send-up of Universal Monsters' Young Frankenstein next weekend. That's it for this edition of the KPBS Cinema Junkie podcast. Make sure to check out the Halloween episodes of the podcast featuring Clive Barker, a tour of the Surgeon's Hall Museum, and coming up on Friday, an exploration of the Babadook with a psychologist. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, and please leave a review. The podcast is only a few months old, and we rely on word of mouth to help get us new listeners. You can also find more reviews and arts coverage on my blog at kpbs.org slash cinemajunkie. So till our next Film Fix, I'm Beth Accomando, your resident cinema junkie. KPBS On Demand is supported by the San Diego County Toyota Dealers, whose commitment to customers extends to giving back to the community and who are proud to support the City of San Diego lifeguards with their important role of keeping our beaches safe. Toyota, let's go places.